Joshua, which was up on the screen um, some time ago, called Strong and Courageous, and, and this is week two, and hope you enjoyed week one, um, but uh, I, I love the book of Joshua, and, and I'm just trusting that we're actually going to get a lot out of it. On June the 6th, 1944, 156,000 American, British, and Canadian forces landed on five beaches on a 50-mile stretch of heavily fortified coast in France. The area was called Normandy, and the invasion was one of the largest military assaults in history. But what people often forget is that that invasion took at least two years to plan, to train, to equip, and, and to finesse and practice. And there was lessons to learn. But you can imagine how the Allies felt on June the 5th, you know, the day before, as they... They loaded equipment and they, and they themselves boarded ships and planes and prepared to move out. And it was the same for the Israelites. Years of slavery followed by years of wandering and finally a promise that had happened many generations before about taking a promised land was about to, to come to fruition for them. You know, a, a new day dawns. There they are on the plains of Moab. The Jordan River is before them, and on the other side is where God had been planning so long for them to be. And so their new leader, Joshua, receives instruction from God, and he, and he, he asks him, Joshua, prepare to move out. The plan is to cross the Jordan, conquer Canaan, and establish a new settled society with, with God as their, as their king. A huge task for Joshua. But as we learned last week, God had been preparing him over a long time for this moment. And today we're, we're going to look at this, at this time in history where they're about to move out and complete the first major step of this, this mission that God had given them. Now, we're going to start in Joshua 1 today. Just a side note, because we're going to make our way through Joshua. I'm not going to be reading the whole of Joshua. So my encouragement to you is to do some reading at home. It's a really great book to read. Yes, there is some shocking stuff in there and confronting things that happened. But I don't want that to scare you. I want you to read it and I want you to trust God. His ways are bigger than our ways. And, uh, and so um, as we go along, you'll, you'll know what's happening, right? And you'll be able to, to fill in the gaps. All right, Joshua 1, starting at verse 1. After the death of Moses... The Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Remember last week we were talking about how he, he, he was, um, Moses was like a mentor to Joshua. He was an assistant for all those years and he learned from him. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south of the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River 
in the east of, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And this is my command. It's a command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The very first verse in Joshua 1 says that God spoke to Joshua. And, and I believe you know, absolutely that God speaks to each and every one of us still today. And I believe that God is speaking to us through his word today. And I just want to tell you, here is what I'm hearing. The first thing is, is this. The time to move is now. On June the 5th, 1944, the day before the Allied troops moved out, Eisenhower sent this message to the Allied troops. Soldiers, sailors and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade to which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you in company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine and eliminate the Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe and security for yourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. And he says more than that, but then he goes on to finish with this. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty and skill in battle and we will accept nothing Less than full victory. Good luck and let us beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. There was the message sent to the allies just before they were about to move out. And in the book of Joshua, there is a record of a similar moment when Joshua addresses the nation just before they're ready to move out. Here's what he said in Joshua 3, verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. And if you were in, ever in Sunday school, there was always the dad jokes about the Vegemites, right? <laughs> Still works. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. A word to the Israelites before they have to move out. This is what I command of you. This is what is before you. And we today also, I believe, have a command to move out. It's good timing with Gavin this morning. You know, perhaps we could say it's our Jordan River moment. There's been a clear command from the one who leads us. It's a command to all Christians, to all churches, and we can't ignore it. We can't just pay it lip service. We can't leave it up to others. 
The command is for us to go and make disciples. It's to move out. And you know this verse. It's Matthew 28. Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given. You know, that's our mission from our supreme commander. The allies had a mission given to them from Eisenhower. You know, the, um, the Israelites had a mission given to them from God through, through Joshua. We have a mission given to us from our supreme commander, Jesus. He's the one that, that, we, that we follow and we listen to. And if you're like me, there's a little bit of anxiety that comes with this command, to be honest. You know? There's lots of good stuff in the Bible that we want to read about that will, is helpful to us. When we read that one, it does make us, make us feel a little anxious. But I want to remind you that we're following the teaching of Jesus and using a strategy here of embracing people and planting seeds to make disciples. We make a deliberate and conscious effort to go and make disciples through love, first and foremost. Because most of us here, let's be honest, you know, I look at this strategy and I, and I, I put it together for me. <laughs> because most of us here aren't gifted evangelists. We can just admit it. But we know someone who probably is. You know, the ones that always sit next to someone in the train, the bus, the plane, whatever it is, and next thing you know, they're a Christian. I love those people. It's, it's not me. And yet, the Great Commission is for me. The Great Commission is for me. Collectively, we can answer the call to go into the world. Every one of you can plant seeds through your actions and words. Every one of you can be like Paul and pray for opportunities to come your way to, to um, either invite someone to something or to sh- even to share your faith. You know, this is why we do Alpha in this church. And I know I talk about it a lot. But it's important because this is where we can actually fulfill the Great Commission as a church. If we, if we embrace someone, we can actually plant a seed. If we love someone, they know that they love us. We can bring them to Alpha. It's just an invitation. And that is my... Um, my request, my, my call to us. By the way, I, I've, been, I've been so inconsistent with this this year. I've talked about Alpha being Term 2, Term 3, Term 2, Term 3, right? Because I keep changing my mind. I am so sorry, but here it is. It's a lock, Term 2, this year, okay? Because I was thinking Term 3 because I was thinking there might be a, a, a period in Term 2 while I won't be here. And then Adam said to me during the week, you know, I can run it while you're not here. And I thought, yes, of course. (laughs) Why wouldn't we just do that? So term two. So here's the thing. I want you all to start praying now about who would be the person that you would invite and then pray that when they receive the invitation, the Holy Spirit will open their hearts up and and they'll be open to coming. Okay? There are people sitting here today who have done Alpha and who are now walking with Jesus, yeah? So it's important. We also have a vision here as a church to continue to invest in ways to share the good news through the meeting of needs in our community. I, I love this about us. You know, we have a command, yes, to go to our neighbours, 
But Matthew 25 reminds us that good preaching, prophecy, music, and buildings, and all the things that we do love to embrace in the Western church, they, they don't matter much if we're not feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting the prisoner and, and looking for those, out for those who are less fortunate than us who are around us. You know, how we treat the least of, in our community re- reveals the depth of our discipleship and our walk with the Lord. And by the way, it's just not all on one person's shoulders, okay? It's our collective steps of faith and our diversity of gifts, talents, and experience that really empower the church to, to do what God has called us to do. This is why we're brought together, because collective, collectively we can achieve this mission. Someone has suggested there's four types of churches. Now, these are not my words, right? So, you know, if they feel like they're too harsh, it's not, not me that wrote them, but... I want us to reflect on them and just see, well, where are we in this scale of four churches? Because the first one is, has been labelled the museum church, and it, sometimes it resembles mm, you know, old, beautiful churches with, with great history, but sadly, they're kind of empty. You know, Very few people go to them for weekly worship. The, the spiritual vitality is, has kind of gone missing. The second one is, has been labelled the maintenance church. And again, these are mostly empty, but you know, they're hanging in there. They're in survival mode. Often they're hanging in or onto the memories of their past and really hoping to, to recreate that moment that they remembered fondly from 33 years ago. And their creed is, but we never did it that way before. And then the third one is the ministry church. This church pursues genuine Christian ministry, but sadly, only to the people in the church. You know, there can be good life and discipleship and signs of growth, good, uh, good groups for kids and youth and, and small groups. You know, they've got staff and pastors and, and, and support missions even, but, but it lacks one thing, a focus on the command to go. It tends to stay back on the other side of the Jordan, where it's kind of comfortable and safe. And they don't engage the community or the territory that God has asked her to go to. And then the fourth one is the mission church. The mission church cares for and disciples its own members like, you know, like the ministry church does and, and reaches out to serve its community to engage in loving them through meeting needs and sharing the news of Jesus to go into all the world. The mission church constantly looks for opportunities to make new disciples and to teach them as Jesus commanded us to. And that's the church that is following the call of Jesus to move out. So where are we at in the wonderful scale, you, you might be asking? Well, I think I can be honest about that as, as the pastor, you know, because I think we're probably pretty heavily a type 3 church, a ministry church, and, and tentatively a type 4. Tentatively a type 4 church, a mission church, which is okay because it gives us reason to be optimistic. Please be assured I'm not saying this to lay guilt on us today. I say this knowing that I'm the one that sets the example. I'm the one that has to, you know, that's tasked to equip us. I'm the one that has to lead. We're doing some good things in that number four church area. We're meeting the needs in our community. We're seeing some lives change. But I feel like today God is saying, Hills Church, stay over that river. In fact, consider how far you can, how much further you can push deeper into the community. And whatever you do, do not be tempted to cross back over. 
because it can be easy to. It's comfortable back there. My message here today is one of positive expectation, not negative condemnation. What I want us to constantly do is look at the opportunities and then, you know, collectively, with all of our different abilities and gifts, take them. I guess I feel like God is reminding me today, Nathan, be stretched and do some stretching. More and more, let's be the, let's be the fourth church, yeah? The mission church. The second thing I hear from God through Joshua is to stay the course, you know, when the going gets tough. In December of 1944, the German army, they made a major counter-offensive in Belgium in the, in the uh, Ardennes Forest. You know, it was Hitler's last grasp and he threw everything at the Allies and he nearly succeeded, by the way. The 101st Airborne Unit was rushed to the, to the front and they found themselves surrounded by the German army near the town of Bastogne. Is everyone familiar with the story? Some people are. It was the middle of winter, like, just think of Belgium in December. It's freezing cold. They didn't have winter clothes, the, the, uh, the American army. They were low on ammunition. And unlike, but unlike the previous units who had been there before them, the 101st, they toughed it out. They held the line against wave after wave of artillery bombardment and advances by an army that had far superior weapons and numbers. And they held the line through thick and thin and at a great expense. And eventually, when... General Patton broke through to reinforce their numbers. They, they again moved forward. And the Allied advance resumed. Well, Joshua was reminded by God, stay the course. Stay the course. He knew that they were going to face mammoth undertakings and, and challenges. Remember last week we talked about how Joshua chose faith over fear. But listen to these words again from God to Joshua, about how he, how, this is how I want my people to stay the course. This is what he said, back to verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the left or to the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. It will be the first five books of our Old Testament today. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written on it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you can do. You know, there was no doubt there's going to be huge challenges and setbacks and disappointments. And we know the first time the Israelites were ready to cross the Jordan, you know, 40 years earlier when they first arrived, fear actually won that day. But fear would be a factor again and again, and God wanted them to be resolute. Stick with me, I think he was saying. You know, stick with me. Stay close to me, obey me, hold the line, stay on the right track and don't move onto someone else's track and you will accomplish my mission. If I remember rightly, Rachel read something about that from Isaiah this morning. You know, staying on that road with God. And you say, well, how do we do that? You know, it's the same message that you've heard since the day you became a Christian. Meditate on God's word and know him and his ways. Live a life of obedience. That means do what he says, you know, through his word. Stand apart from the, the world and, and, and the ways that aren't of, of God. Love people, all people like Jesus did. Renew your mind and be transformed. Develop healthy habits through spiritual disciplines. 
I'm basically giving you all my sermon titles over the last five years. Let God's word stretch you and change you. Reject and flee from the temptation and the sin that comes our way. Be more concerned with your own weakness and sin than other people's. You know the one about the plank in the eye and the speck in someone else's. Tempted to stop there for a second, but I've got to keep moving. Don't fall in love with money and wealth. Give generously. Invest in your church. If I can adapt somebody's famous speech, ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church, God's church. Pray about everything and pray together continuously. Read Acts. That's what the church did. They prayed. Be a good witness to others. Don't let the, world's, the world influence you. You know, again, in the last week, another very prominent Christian leader in our, in our word falls from grace. The witness was lost to tens of thousands. Don't let the world influence you. Rather, rather be an influence on the world. You know, salt and light. Stay the course. Don't turn back. Run the good race. In many ways, we've crossed that Jordan. I'm talking about us as a church. But I just want us to ask the question, have we, metaphorically speaking, still held back in some ways on that, the plains of Moab? And I want to encourage us to trust God and fully cross over in obedience and take the mission put before us. I'm not laying it at the feet of each individual here. I'm saying collectively, God's given us this mission. I'm saying let's together go prayerfully and obediently. Eisenhower wished his men good luck before they moved out. We don't need to rely on luck. Do we even believe in luck? We have a promise from God. So this is what he said to Joshua. Verse 9 again, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. I hope we're hearing it now. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Here's why. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the last thing I hear from God from us today, number three, is that God promised, promised to go with us. That should give us a lot of confidence, yeah? When Jesus gave our command to move out, he didn't wish us luck. Good luck. Go into all the world. Good luck. He didn't say that. He promised the best gift ever. Here it is, back to Matthew 28. And be sure of this. You know, be certain. It's a luck. It's a guarantee. I am with you always, even to the end. Until he comes again. Hmm. I don't know about you, but that makes me be filled with more confidence than if it was just me trying to do it by myself. Well, he's with us today, church. The promise from Jesus is himself. That means we can do it if we completely trust him. So I want to, I want to pray a prayer today that says yes to God's call to move out today and submit ourselves into his hands as a church as a step of faith. And so just as a step of faith yourself, would you stand with me? If you agree with me, would you stand?
And we're going to pray together. Father God, we hear your word today. In fact, we receive it in faith. When you said you would be with us always, even when the going gets tough, even when it's scary. You know, and we can, we've got our own mission set before us, Lord. And so, as your followers, we obediently say yes. We say yes, God, to you today. We want to keep moving forward as your church. We, we will do discipleship. We, we will do community well together. We will do all those things. But, Lord, we want to move forward. And, and, and Lord, may this neighborhood and this community around us uh, know, know the good news through your church. So help us, God, we pray. Show us your ways. I pray, Lord, for everyone here this morning that you would bring opportunities for us. Lord, to plant seeds and may they be watered and grow and go on to be disciples. I pray that, Lord Jesus, for this year, 2021, may it be a year of harvest, God, we pray. Let your church be effective. May we, may we follow your, your commands. God, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. We, we ask for you, Holy Spirit, to come and to fill us, to empower us. Pour out your gifts in us for the, um, for the betterment of the body, yes, and for the, um, for the fulfillment of your mission. God, I, I pray for the kids outside today as well. I pray for the youth and the young adults and, and all the small groups and the seniors and, and, Lord, for our ministries, our outreach ministries. Lord, I pray um, your, your presence in them and your leading and but your power in them, God. Your power to reach people through our op shop and our counselling service and our cap ministry and, Lord, at our um, play group and, um, and everything else, Lord even in our uni and work lives, our school lives, Lord Jesus. Help us to be salt and light to reflect you. And God, I just pray for more and more opportunities. May that baptismal, Lord, be filled. We pray for it, Lord Jesus. We believe it's your will. In fact, we know it is because your word says it. Make disciples and baptize them. And so we stand together collectively, Lord, and in agreement as we go, as we move out, knowing that you are with us in Jesus' name. Amen.